Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Isn't that powerful? Yes, He is risen. There is no closed grave. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And that's what we're proclaiming today. Man, if I had a big enough speaker, I would shout it. <laughs> uh, but I believe, and I, I truly believe, that every church in every town in this country, in the world, is proclaiming that today, that Jesus is alive. He is alive so that we can be free. So we don't have to be stuck in sin or brokenness or temptation or habits. Or he is, we are free from all those things. Now, Friday, we looked at the crucifixion of Christ and and, and that horrible day where our king died, a sinner's death, so that we can be free. But if you look at everything that happened on that day, there is, no, there is so much to take in that sometimes we miss the most important. See, people can say what they want, but the greatest revelation that there is is this. That it was his love for us that compelled Jesus to endure the cross. It was his love. It was his love for you. You might not love yourself, but he loved you before he knew you, while you were still a sinner, as Romans 5 says. Hebrews 12 says the following. It says, his example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. I, I love that scripture. See, Jesus, just by thinking about us, there was so much joy in his heart that he could take anything. He could take anything in your life. Anything he could step through. Humiliation, the, the cruelest of the cruel executions for you. Because he loved you. You see, Jesus kept his eyes on one thing. And that was his anchor. And that was the joy that he had in his heart to be able to know us again fully. To know you. Now, If you look at that word know, it means that to be intimate with. And see, his mission was to restore intimacy with you and the Father. With you and him. Because it's through him to the Father. He wanted to restore intimacy. That was his joy. That was his focus. He said, Lord, if I can just have intimacy with my creation again but I need to get the sin and the law out. You see, after the cross, Jesus' body was, was, was buried in, in a grave for three days. And in that time, the world was silent. The Pharisees was waiting to prove Jesus wrong. The disciples was hidden because of fear. But the Spirit was waiting. The Spirit was ready. Let's read this amazing moment together this morning Matthew 28 verse 1 to 10 it says early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven rolled aside the stone and sat on it his face shone like lightning and the clothing was as white as snow the gods shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint then the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. 
He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said he would happen. Come and see where his body was lying, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he is going, and he is going ahead um, of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The woman ran quickly from the tomb, and they were very frightened, but also filled with great joy, and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they, as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped him, oh sorry, grasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to him, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. What a great, man, I love the word. I love the word, how descriptive it is. And if you go to the synopsis and all the Gospels and how every disciple who written the Gospels had a different picture on it. But in this account, Matthew was the most detailed. You see, the cross of Jesus was firstly the most significant moment in the history of humanity. Very significant. And the and, and, and most of Easter weekend has a strong focus on a cross, which is the signpost of the love of God for you. It's a signpost in the road that says, this is how much I loved you. And today we reflect on the third day after the cross. And maybe you ask, like me, I, love, I like asking questions because it gives me detail. It, it focuses my, my, um, my, oh my goodness, there my English goes. It focuses what I look, how I look at things, my perspective. So we ask today, and we ask the following, and we ask, what is the significance of the empty tomb? What is the significance of the empty tomb for you today? Is it just another day on Easter? Do you look only at the cross, and yes, the grave was empty? What is the significance for you? See, it proved the following. It proved that the prophecies of Jesus was true. It proved that he was the Son of God. It proved that he defeated death in the grave. Yes, all of those things, which is incredible, which is amazing. But there's one very significant thing that we can never miss as Christians. We can never miss this. And for me, it's probably one of the most important things to realize this truth that I want to speak about today. You see, so many believers miss this true importance of the resurrection. And because of that, they still struggle to get free from stuff in their lives. They get stuck at things and stuck at growth. And they don't, Lord, I, I want to experience you more. But this truth can free your heart today. Now let me summarize it quickly. Number one is the cross was the ultimate demonstration of God's love. I just said that. But the grave and the empty tomb was the ultimate demonstration of God's power. It was the love of Jesus that released the power of God. Come on, dads. How much power comes from you when your son goes through something tough? Man, I would turn things over. I would run in front of cars to save my, my child. It was the ultimate love of Jesus who released the incredible power of God. I love that. I love that to see the Father's heart 
right in that moment, just thinking what, Jesus, what God had to go through, looking at his son going through hell, taking all the sin on him. You see, many, Christian beliefs, many Christians believe that God's power was released that Sunday morning when the tomb was rolled away, when Jesus stepped out of that grave. So many believe that that was the moment when God's power was released. When that voodoo woman walked to the grave, when the earth shook. But if you look at Scripture, we see something different. Let me quickly back up for a moment. And let's go back to the cross and I'll show you something incredible this morning. Matthew 7, 27, 50 to 54. Then Jesus shouted out and he released his spirit. Remember we spoke about it on Friday. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split apart, and the tombs opened. <laughs> what a powerful moment. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection. They went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion, the Roman officers and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that, hap and all that had happened. They said, this man truly was the Son of God. How powerful is that? See, when Jesus died, and after he said the following, he said, it is finished. Remember? Tetelestai. It is finished. He gave up his spirit, and then something significant happened right at that moment. <laughs> the word says that the curtain tore in two. It tore from top to bottom. And that's a very significant thing. You see, only one man, the high priest, could go behind that curtain once a year. And that man had to be absolutely pure for the whole year. He had to live according to the law. And the law had over 600 rules to follow. I mean, this was serious. This, I, I think he couldn't do something wrong, then he's out. And every time, and then they said, in, 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 the, in the lifetime of a high priest, he probably would have one chance to go behind the curtain of the most holies. He had to be so holy, because if he walks into that holy place with a little bit of sin, he would drop dead right there. And at that moment, I don't know if you guys know that when the high priest walked into the most holies, he had a rope attached to his feet, because when he drops dead, they had to pull him out. Like, serious. Because you can't go and run in and get to high priest, then you die as well if you had sin. So you have to pull you out. But this was serious business for the Jewish people. For one man who went in to just atone and give the sacrifices for everyone's sin, who went, came and paid for it with lambs and doves. And See, the curtain was separating the sinful people, that means everyone, from the holy presence of God. That means that the curtain separated God's presence from everyone, from you, from me, from every Jewish person. Sound familiar? It separated God from us. Remember Sermon 1? Remember last weekend? We spoke about how we stood here in this place, and because of our sin, because of judgment, and because of what happened, it separated us from God and with relationship with Him, and the presence of Him. 
the law separated them. Remember Isaiah 59? It says the following. It says, but your iniquities have separated you from God and your sins have hidden his face from you. And as Jesus endured the cross, he built a bridge. He started building a bridge over this canvas, over this, this separation between man and God. He started building a bridge so that it can connect us to the presence of God. It can connect us in relationship with God. Now when that curtain tore, the separation from God's presence was over in one moment. In one moment, the presence became part of everyone. Everyone could experience it. Not just one man, everyone. Now, let me just tell you quickly a little bit about that curtain. It was a thing of beauty. It was 18 meters long. That's about as long as this, I don't know how much, 18 meters. It was 9 meters high. It's higher than this roof. 9 meters high, and it was a little bit more than 10 centimeters thick. It was a thick thing. It wasn't just a small little curtain. This was a major thing that hung in the temple. Now, for any human being to tear that thing in two was literally impossible. In, in, I mean, how could I get up? And that was in that time. Uh, you, you probably can take a chainsaw to cut that thing, but you have to get nine meters up to cut that thing. It will take you days and days and days to cut that thing in two. But the curtain tore in an instant from top to bottom, from heaven to earth. In that moment, heaven came to earth. Remember what Jesus prayed when he taught the disciples to pray? As in heaven, so it will be on earth. You just need my presence. You just need my power. You just need a moment where your prayer, my presence is be hidden from you. If my presence step in, things will change. You see, at that moment, heaven came to earth. At that moment, the power of God's presence was released. And guess what? The bondage of law was broken. Now, now, how can God's presence be in the grip of the law? That was my first question. You see, God had to, to, to keep his presence away from people. If the presence connects with people, they would have died. So, so God had to install the law to keep the people from the presence and to keep them alive. But in that moment when Jesus paid the penalty for all sin, man, I think the Holy Spirit couldn't wait. I mean, he tore that curtain open. I think I can just see, I mean, if you can, if you can draw a, a cartoon or a comic with it, it's like just how the Holy Spirit cut that thing open. Say, I have waited how many years to be with my creation. I can't take this anymore. This law has been installed for so long. The grip has been for so long has been here. It's done. It is done. Heaven is coming to earth. See, that moment was so powerful, so incredible intense, that three incredible things happened. Firstly, there was an earthquake. I mean, I don't know how many of you have been in a proper earthquake. I don't think it's fun, eh? But if people will frighten outside, so many of us, if you're in an earthquake and you're inside, you're frightened. If you're in an earthquake and you're outside, some of people are like, oh, well, was there an earthquake? But if you're outside and you notice there's an earthquake, it, it means that it is a serious earthquake. 
people were freaking out outside. Because what happened? The rocks literally exploded. <laughs> I don't think the world will ever see an earthquake again where the rocks physically explode. But then the freakiest one of all, the dead bodies of godly men and women, like the wood said, they rose from the dead. Your opa who was dead for 50 years is now coming knocking at your door. Say, how's it, Boyki? Have you been, what have you been doing? <laughs> I mean, that is serious business. Where the dead starts walking around, and in one moment, as the power of God comes in, listen, I mean, look what happens. The dead is raised, not just, I'll raise you. And, no, I mean, it's just whatever it touches, it, things happen. That was a powerful moment. It wasn't just, uh, I mean, a little bit of a shake. No, this was a serious earthquake. It's scary stuff. I don't think about, I mean, I need to, I need to keep on thinking about this powerful moment. I mean, it really hit me last night when I read through this again. You see, when Jesus said, it is finished, the power of God ripped. It ripped into this world. It ripped the presence of God out of the grip of the law. And said, no more. The atonement has been paid. The atonement has been paid. Things are changing right now. But this just shows how much we were created for God's presence. And we were not created to be kept in law. We created to be, to be stepped into, to experience God's presence, to see more of Him, to encounter Him on a daily basis. When you have your devotions, when you read your Bible, your spirit is, is, was created to encounter God, to encounter His power and His presence. But not just that, even the soldiers who brutally murdered Jesus just moments, just days before, were terrified. They were terrified. Well, just moments ago, they were terrified. I mean, they were so terrified that they testified that this man that I just killed is truly the Son of God. Now, can, I just, can I just explain to you this? This man that just brutally murdered, because that's, that's, I think there's different reasons and words, but they brutally murdered Jesus, the Son of God. I truly believe that they were demon-possessed. Because you need to be possessed to be that pure evil in that moment. Let's just be honest. Because they went worse than worse. They went evil as you can get. And what did they do? They bit the dust in fear of the power of God that came in. Even the most evil that they could, couldn't stand before the power of God. They couldn't fight. They, they, they fell to the ground. They bit the dust and they testified, oh my goodness, this is truly the Son of God. If you go to the, the Gospels of Mark and Luke, if you go to Luke, it says that the people who were surrounding the cross immediately went home with a deep sorrow in their hearts, realizing that they just killed the true Savior and the Messiah. That's how powerful that moment was. Nothing can stand against the might of God. You see, the power of God was released before the empty tomb. And the Spirit was ready. When they buried Jesus' body in the grave, 
the world was silent. The Pharisees was waiting to prove Jesus wrong. The disciples was hidden away because of fear. But the Spirit and the power of God was ready. Man, I can just see a guy ready for a race. I'm just ready. How many of you have done a race before? Man, that two, three minutes before, you're just like, you're anxious to get going, you know. I just want to, I want to go. I've been in big competitions and big meetings and big things. I mean, what you experience in that moment, you have to experience, you can't explain it. But the Holy Spirit was ready. He was on his marks, man. He was about to go. And when that, when Jesus said, it is finished, it was like a gunshot that went off. And he says, I am ready. And he ripped into reality. I mean, there was just one more moment that was so powerful, and it was when Jesus was baptized. The scripture says that the heavens was ripped open because of the love of the Father for His Son, and says, this is my Son. See, Jesus hasn't done anything till that moment. No ministry, no nothing, and Jesus says, this, or God says, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. You don't have to do anything. I'm just pleased at you. And in that moment, the Spirit ripped, ripped into reality. Isn't that a powerful moment? See, the power and the presence was ready. Ready for what? Ready for Jesus to be risen. Ready for Jesus to be risen. But Jesus, firstly, had to go and get something. He had to go and get something. And that's why the, the power and the presence was waiting. He's waiting for Jesus till the third day because the prophecy said on three days you will break me down and then build me up. But I believe, and this is quite controversial, and we can have a chat about this. And I've studied the scriptures and I went through and I'm still thinking about this, but I want to drop something while I'm there. I, I believe that Jesus descended into hell, into Hades. And the reason he had to do that is to go and get the authority from Satan. Say thank you. Now, there's a lot of scriptures and a lot of um, scholars that says it's impossible because Jesus said to the one criminal at his side that says, even today you will be with me in a paradise. So how can Jesus go to, to, to hell? Jesus was pure and perfect. How can he go to hell? But remember, he took every bit of sin and darkness on him. He died as a sinner and he went to hell as a sinner. And in that moment, he said to, the, to Satan, thank you. He didn't ask, he just took it. He took the authority. He just took it. Listen to Colossians. Colossians 2.15, Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and all the principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. That's actually in the Bible. And by that power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph, and he was their prisoner. He was not their prisoner, they were his. I believe when Jesus rose up to heaven, all the enemies and demons, everything was bound, and he marched them into heaven. There's a scripture, Psalm 24, that says, Open you gates that the King of glory may come in. The king mighty in battle. I think David was seeing that prophetically. 
See, Jesus not only won the battle, he disarmed, he disabled, he nullified every power that could ever come against us and said, you are accused, you are accused. No true. Jesus took every accusation and he nullified it. Then on the third day, on the Sunday morning, Jesus rose from the dead. And guess what? Holy Spirit said, man, I am ready now. My power will fill every believer in this kingdom of light. I will fill them with my power. Friends, church, we have resurrection power inside of us. You have the authority to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to raise the dead. To speak life and to see change. You. I don't feel spiritual yet. That's a lie. Because when Jesus paid that penalty, he gave you the full gift of authority. He didn't say, okay, now here's the gift of authority. Now if you earn it, you can have it. No, true. Jesus already earned it. He done everything on the cross so that we don't have to do anything. See, the power who shook the earth and made the rocks explode, the power who rose Jesus from the dead are living inside of you. Each and every one of you. Each and every one of us. We don't realize this, and therefore we doubt ourselves. See, Jesus has already done all the work. Now it is up to us to live in that finished work. We need to live in resurrection power every day of our lives. Isn't that amazing? Come on. That's the greatest news. He didn't just die for us. He has given us so much. That's something to celebrate. It also means that Satan has no power over us unless we give it to him. He has no authority over you and me unless we give it to him. His only weapon against us left or left against us, guess what? Is deception. If he can deceive us and lie to us, he can open a crack in the door and he can oppress us. That's the only way. Because he is defeated. He's got nothing left. The scripture says, the God says, I will give him the name above every other name. He's speaking about Jesus. To which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And all authority in heaven and earth is his. So if he's got all the authority, it means that someone else has nothing. Nada. See, if he can bring us to a point where we believe we are failing God, if he can bring us to a point of believing, oh man, we don't obey enough, or we are actually, I don't know if I'm saved, we give him the power. And all the enemy is doing, he's throwing smoke screens so that we can see the bridge anymore. See this bridge that Jesus has built for us. The bridge to resurrection power. I don't know if you've ever had to drive over a bridge where it was misty. It's quite scary, you know. Okay, yes. Yes, I hope there's a bridge. Oh, there's a bridge. Woo! But sometimes the, that's what the enemy does. He throws a smoke screen so that you don't see the truth. You doubt in the truth. You doubt in yourself. And then when you doubt yourself, you start doubting the truth. I mean, it's just a, it's just a snowball effect. And then he says, checkmate. But he can't because he's already lost. He's playing with himself. And it's not fun playing chess with yourself. You see, all the enemy is doing is that. If the devil can keep us from seeing the breach that closes the separation between us and God, then <laughs> he can keep us from power. 
If I can keep you from seeing this truth, I can keep you from praying for the sick. If I can keep you from seeing the truth, I can keep you from being free. From growing in me, from seeing more, from encountering my presence. So, how can we make sure we don't fall for the enemy's smokescreen? I want to end with this. How can we activate resurrection power in our lives every day? Because it is our portion every day to be activating resurrection power in your life. How can we do that? Three things, and you can write it down if you want to. You believe it, you speak it, and you act it. You believe it. See, we need to get the Word in our heart and then access all the benefits. If you want to access all the benefits, the healing, the peace, the joy, every good thing in your life, you need to get the Word in your life. You need to get that truth in your life so that it can shift your belief. It can give you foundation in your heart. If the enemy can get us to believe less about ourselves, God can do less through us and for us. See, that's the truth we need to, we need to hear this morning. If the enemy, if Satan can get you to think less of yourself, God can do less through you. Because you're keeping him from using you. And the enemy knows that. And God don't force anyone. He gave us free choice. And if we still struggle, you ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you to open the scriptures. I need you to shift my belief. I need you. We need to believe it. Then secondly, we need to speak it. See, when you believe the resurrection power resides in you, guess what? You start speaking truth. You start speaking words with power. And when you speak faithful words, guess what? You release blessing. You release power. See, the power of God is in faithful words. Oh, I feel so tired today. Oh, how bad is this? Oh, okay. What you confess, you'll get. Some mornings you have to wake up and everything is sore and it's like, oh, you know, ooh. It's like, oh, it's just a good day. Ooh. <laughs> Jesus, you're good. And then I promise you, you're going to feel better. So this is going to be a great day. God is good. I speak life over my family. I speak life over my business. I speak life over this house. Lord, thank you for your presence here. When you step out, get in that car. Start blessing the cars around you. Start thinking about how good God is to you. I believe, I mean, then you start activating resurrection power in your life. You will even start blessing the minibus taxis around you. You see, every time you speak the name of Jesus or declare the blood of Jesus over the situation, listen to this, when you declare the blood of Jesus, you know what you do? You remind Satan that, hey buddy, guess what? You defeated, man. You, you defeated. You remind him. When you do communion, it is such a powerful moment. You're just reminding the enemy that, man, your butt was kicked forever. You're done. I, I, one of my favorite preachers, I don't know if you know Jesse Duplantis, old preacher, he's still preaching, man, incredible evangelist. 
And he always said when he was a young boy, he was living on a farm. His dad had fun with him, so he chopped the chicken's head off. And then he left, and the chicken was still running with the off head. And he was so scared about the chicken, he ran. It's like, oh, the chicken's going to kill me. Then one day he realized the chicken's head is caught, chopped off. But it's just the body reacting. And then he said, the devil is like that. He's, 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 I mean, he's decapitated. But he's still running around, and we're scared of that. But there's nothing in it. He is defeated. And then finally we act on it. You see, Satan's defeat was sealed by the resurrection. It was sealed. If you go to the movies, you pay the ticket. You pay the money. That was the cross. When you get that ticket, it's like the empty tomb that says, here's my proof. Here's the proof that everything has been paid. That was the power of the resurrection. See, when we know the truth, when we know the truth of the resurrection and the power that's living in us, man, we still have to enforce it. We still have to act on it. And when there's sickness, we act on it by speaking and releasing healing. When there's lack, guess what? We call in blessing. We call in God's Abundance, because that's the power of life and death is in the power of the tongue. It's my tongue, your tongue. See, whatever we face, we don't... So whatever we face, we don't accept defeat. We don't accept defeat anymore. Jesus paid too a high price for each and every one of us to accept anything less than total and complete victory. He paid too much. The price was too big for you to doubt. And what so many of us sometimes miss is the one most powerful tool that God has given us. And we miss this a lot. And that's communion. And I want to get to a point when I speak two, three Sundays on only communion. And the power of communion. And how God can heal you through communion. How God can break things open through the power of communion. Where you say, Lord, I release the power of the blood and the body when I take communion. When I confess your goodness, the price that you've paid for me. You see, communion released the power of the cross and the resurrection in our circumstances and needs. It released it. Now we want to do communion this morning. And we want to end today as a Resurrection Sunday. I know we had communion on, on Friday, but why not? We can do every, everyday communion. I want to employ you. I want to in, encourage you to do communion as much as you can. I, I mean, there's so many, so many um, amazing testimonies of healings. Marriages went from nothing to absolutely restored by just having communion every day together. Just releasing God's power. Releasing His goodness in your life. Releasing that resurrection power that's in you through communion. So I want to invite us to today's. And we're going to do it a bit different today. I know on Friday we did it families together. But I want, you, I want to invite you today to, to get your cup. And there's little small breads. Uh, so use the small little round breads for communion today. And then we can use these hot cross buns for afterwards and Easter eggs. But... Use this small little bread. Go and grab one for you. And I want you to find a place this morning. And we're going to take five minutes. And you're going to commune with the Father.
we're going to commune with the Father this morning and said, Father, today I'm celebrating this relationship, this intimacy that you have done everything for. I want to connect to the source today. I want to plug in and again say, Father, I need you. I need you. Can we do that this morning? Great. So you can all stand up and we can grab communion at the back. Again, come back, find your spot. pray for us this morning and I specifically pray for each of you that has got a longing in your heart to experience more of Him see deep inside each and every one of us no matter if you serve God or not there is a longing to experience a deity to experience God. So Lord, I want to experience you. When I close my eyes, when I read my Bible, when I pray, I want to experience you, Father. If that is you this morning on Resurrection Sunday, God dearly wants you to experience Him. He wants you to experience Him. He wants you for. He wants you to have a deeper moment with Him. Because He knows you need it. We need it. We need that refreshment of His presence. We need more of Him. that's you this morning would you ask him maybe you want to put your hand on your heart or you put your hands in the air whatever is for you is, is a comfortable position but there needs to be action on that said Lord this is me it's me I want that I want that Lord Father I want more of you I don't want to dobber around like a boat without an engine I want the power, Father. I want the power. I, want to be, I don't want to be stuck in this gear for the rest of my life. I want that fifth gear, Father, where I can cruise in your presence. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za.